Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. We've been blessed tonight. How I many your, your heart's full? I mean, my heart's full right now. And uh, if you would, make your way to Acts chapter 21, the book of Acts chapter number 21. And uh, Brother Jordan, what camera are we on right now? Can you put me on the center camera? Would that be okay? Uh, Miss Crystal is with us tonight, and uh, this is your second time here, right? You're here this morning, about the third time, and uh, Miss Crystal's here tonight, and her son, uh, 22, is watching us tonight, and... Uh, uh, David, uh, your mama, David Dalton Stone, I got you written down right here, my friend, and your mama asked me to give you a shout out to let you know she's sitting in church tonight, and uh, you're watching us right now, and so both of you are in the same service and uh, watching and listening, and uh, David, looking forward to the day I can meet you, and we're glad that your mama is here with us, and she loves you very, very much, and I hope you enjoy the service. So um, how many, how many would put David Stone on your prayer list? How many would put him on your prayer list right now? Kind of make a jot of a note. And uh, we're so glad Miss Crystal's here. If I could have just a little bit more right up here, uh, that would be great. Heavenly Father, Lord, we have sat through right at 45, 48 minutes of our hearts being lifted. We have sang uh, little did I know that honoring the request of a friend of singing How Great Thou Art as a congregational, Lord, together would end up in a testimony that brought the song, brought it all down. And I love what Brother Joe said, that he was playing that song to your honor and to your glory. And Lord, I, I too want to play my role tonight, and I too want to do everything to your honor and your glory. God, I ask that you'd help us now in this night. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I was scheduled to preach tonight, the title, The Burden of Nineveh. Uh, everything was lined out, ready to go. I uh, sent the message on ahead to Brother John for the title. And then today, uh, the Lord said, no, I don't want you to preach that. I want you to preach a sermon that you had no notes for when you preached in College Chapel last semester. And so um, early this morning, this afternoon, um, I put down on paper a truth that I want to bring to you. I do not know why the Lord has changed the sermon, uh, but invariably, whenever we find out the why, then we look back and go, God, you knew what you were doing back here. I have no idea. I will tell you this. Let me start out with these words. One day, I'm going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ as an individual, not as a pastor. I'll be in line with pastors that will give an account, but as a believer and as an Bob Gray II, Robert Glenn Gray II, born on September 24, 1967 in Kalamazoo, Michigan, to Robert and Leanne Gray, I, the individual, will stand before my Creator. I will stand before the one who put me into the womb of that dear lady and allowed me breath. And allowed me life. 
And when I stand before him, I think that I want what all of us want, and that is this. I want well done. I'm trying to live my life to mirror his expectation. I'm trying to make every decision I make and every turn I make in life, I want it to be to where God is getting the fullest out of my life. It's such a crude illustration to use, but I think it's the only appropriate illustration for, for the topic tonight as far as getting the most out of the life. If you were raised with a deficit of money, that means you grew up poor. You grew up with scraping everything you could together. Everybody knows what it's like to take a tube of toothpaste and, and roll that thing to get the most out of it. How many are with me? Say amen. Everybody knows what it's like when you're down to that end and you've shoved everything out. Now your toothpaste has a V in the bottom because you shoved everything out the little hole that you can get out. And everybody, if you're really bad, you know what it's like to slit it open and to scrape on the inside. Some of you silver spoon people, you have no idea of what I'm talking about. Or you couponers have no idea what I'm talking about because you buy 10 of them at a time, Kim Smith. And uh, so, so, so understand that every believer needs to come to the realization that I, I want God to get the most out of my life. I, I don't want to end up at the end of my life with anything left that I could have done for him. I want the fullest. I, I want to hear the well done. I believe God gives us his word to help us with insight. And I said it this morning in the, the Bible class that I teach at 9.30 in the dining hall. I, I said, praise God, the Bible's not being written today. I don't want to make the Bible. I don't, I don't want there to be a first Bob and a second Bob or a third Bob. We'll leave the first Peter, second, we'll leave it to the cussing guy down the road. I, I, don't, want, I don't want my name in a book to be preserved forever for everybody to read. But in this book that you hold in your lap, there is a story. It's a very obscure story, but it is a story, and it begins with Acts chapter 21 and verse 7. Now, understand, the premise for tonight is this. I want to get the most out of my life for the Lord. I, I, I want at the end of my life, when I take my last breath, for there to be nothing left on the table. I, I want God to know that every step I, every step I made that, that I, I want you to get the most out of my life. In Acts chapter 21, verse 7, and when he had finished, um, and when we had finished, verse 7, when we had finished our course from Tyre, and we came to Ptolemy, that's how it pronounced in the guy that was reading it, and saluted the brethren and abode with them one day. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. The same, the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did prophesy. So here he's in the house of Philip the evangelist, a spiritual man. There are four virgin daughters of Philip. These are spiritual women. And, and as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. Now we know at least there are five in the house. There is Philip the evangelist. There, there, there was the four daughters. And then there, this guy that came, he was a prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus saith the Holy Ghost, 
so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now let's stop and just understand the setting. When the Bible talks about a girdle, it is talking about a sash that would fit. And Xander, I'm going to use you. Would that be okay? It's talking about a sash. When it talks about a girdle, it was something that was worn around the waistband of the individual. Here in the house of Philip, the evangelists are Philip, spiritual man, evangelist, four daughters, virgins, prophesying. That's now five. And now this man named Agabus shows up. Agabus comes and he takes and Paul's there along with him and he takes the girdle that Paul owns and he says to Paul, if you'll look there in verse number 11, and came unto us, he took Paul's girdle and bound his own hands and feet and said, thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that owneth the girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of of the Gentiles. Agabus reaches up and he takes the girdle from off Paul and then he binds his own hands and the Bible says he binds his feet and for the sake of not looking like an idiot I'm just going to keep it to the hands and he says this the man who owns this girdle shall be bound and if I could paraphrase if he goes to Jerusalem this is how he'll end up with the rest of his life. If you'll, thank you, Xander, you can have a seat if you don't mind. And then if you'll look at verse number 12. And when he had heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. The, these people in this house said, Paul, he's talking about you. Don't go to Jerusalem. And look at verse 13. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Y'all, these verses give us indication that this just wasn't a request. They were weeping. They were saying, Paul, God's got great things for you, Paul. But Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, Agabus has already told you that the man who owns this girdle, that this is what they're going to do to the man who owns this girdle. Paul, this is you. The man of God has spoken that if you want to do this, you will not be effective in life. Now, now, please listen to this. I want to get the most out of my life. I don't want to end up my life having could have done more for God, but I didn't do more for God because of my heart's desire, and I didn't listen to spiritual counsel. This is not a sermon for me to climb on top of the chart and tell you what to do. Tonight, I just want you to take inventory of your life. God is such a great God. God is such a big God that God can take any life you give him, any life I give him, and God can do great things. From Acts chapter 22 to the end of the book, there have been many great sermons preached about the life of Paul. There have been many great sermons preached about the boldness of Paul as he stood up and he said to Felix and he said to Agrippa, 
There's been many stories preached about the shipwreck of Paul, how they all made it safe to land. Listen, the greatness of our God is this. He can take any life you and I give him and do something great with that life. But that's not the question tonight. Are you giving him the best of your life to use to its fullest potential? There are a lot of people who make spiritual decisions based on a heart's desire that won't help them reach their full potential at the end of their life. Here you have, he now has arrived at Philip's house. He now is sitting there with these four virgin daughters. They are sitting there. Then Agabus comes walking through the door, and he says, let me tell you something. He reaches up and takes the girdle of Paul, and he binds his hand. He said, listen to me, the man who owns this girdle. And I can just see him as he looks into the eyes of Paul. The man who owns this, if he goes to Jerusalem, he will be bound. In Acts chapter 9, you'll find, let, let, me, let me continue verse 14. And when he would not be persuaded, would you look at Paul, please? And when he would not be persuaded, we what, please? Ceased. Acts 21, 14. And when he would not be persuaded, we cease saying the will of of the Lord be done. I'm going to testify as a pastor and a spiritual leader of people's lives who ask, what do you think, pastor, about this decision in my life? And one of the hardest things I do is try to help people understand God can do anything with the life that you give him. But are you really going to get the most out of your life when you see him? Are you really going to get the most effective God glory on this earth? God is such a God that you give him a bound hand and a bound foot in Jerusalem in a prison that God can come down and God can do big things. But is it really what we're after or are we after to yield our life to what God wants for our life? And God, put me wherever you want to put me. Do with me whatever you want to do with me because I am not going to spiritualize my life. I'm just going to obey. And there is a big difference. Agabus said, don't do this. Acts chapter 9 records the conversion. Acts chapter 9 also records the will of God for the life of Saul. Look, if you would, Acts chapter 9, verse 15. And tonight, I, I guess I want to be sobering because I don't know who needs this, and I don't know, you teenagers, listen. Oh, if you'll just listen. Your footprints yet have not touched the seashores of your life. You may think you've lived a long time at 16 and 17, but you still got decades to live after this. You got decades to live. Young couples, you're just now getting married and you're just now starting your family and your children are young. You've got decades to live from this point on. Please listen to this. You want the fullest of God. You want the most that you can get out of God. And every decision that you and I make along this journey that is based on feelings rather than faith in God's word and obedience to God's word will end up costing something. And I don't even know what decisions I made along the path that I have hampered my effectiveness for God. But I can tell you this. When I came across this story, I thought to myself, God, I don't want to be that kind of guy. God, I want to be the guy that, that I, I'm giving you the most of my life. And that, God, if there is any heart's desire, if there is anything that I really, really want to do, would you bring an Agabus into my life? Would you bring a Philip into my life? Would you put me someplace to where people who are spiritual would be honest with me? And not just pat me 
for the sake of wanting another friend, but look deep into my eyes and say, whoever owns this girl will be bound. We have and we live in a spiritual society that we want people to like us rather than tell the truth. And I wonder how many young people have made that decision because parents were not Agabuses. Because spiritual leaders didn't want at the moment to sacrifice a friendship. Here's God's calling on Saul's life. Acts 9.15, the conversion. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me. To bear my name, and it gives three footprints before what please the Gentiles, and what please kings, and the children of what Israel. It does not say the Jews right there. It says the children of Israel. Acts chapter 2, if you'll notice at the day of Pentecost, they were back for Pentecost, but how many nations did they come from? When captivity happened and when God's children were taken away and the ten tribes were taken away, when you get to Acts chapter, the beginning of Acts, you're going to find out that the children of Israel were scattered among the nations. God knew what he was doing with Paul's life. God knew what he was doing with Paul when he said, I want you, my friend, I want you to go to the Gentiles. You'll be before kings, and on your journey, you will give credibility to the children of Israel because you've got the pedigree. Please, look at this, verse 16. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. It was very clear that God's plan was for this Saul to bear the name of Christ before three groups. The Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. When Paul arrived on the evangelistic scene, as an evangelistic tour in Acts chapter 9, he did some incredible things. Acts chapter 9, Saul Paul overcomes the reputation of being a persecutor with the brethren. Acts 11, Saul Paul receives his first rookie assignment to accompany Barnabas to take relief to the brethren of Judea. Acts chapter 12, Saul Paul and Barnabas return from Jerusalem to Antioch. Acts 13, Saul Paul and Barnabas as commissioned by the local church to the work of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 13, Saul's name is finally changed to Paul upon his first ministry encounter with the sword. From Acts 13 to 20, from Acts 13 to 20, Paul's journey took him to many places. Cyprus, Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, Antioch and Syria, Jerusalem, Macedonia, Thessalonica, Berea, Athens, Corinth, Antioch, Ephesus, Macedonia, Greek. From Acts 13 to 20, Paul encountered some incredible situations. The sorcerer named Eliamus. He was stoned at Lystra. He hears the Macedonian call. There was the conversion of Lydia. He was in prison and started singing, and an earthquake happened, and the jailer was converted. He had his famous sermon on Mars Hill. There was a riot at Ephesus. He raised Eutychus, who fell asleep and fell out of the window during a sermon. Paul's entire life was on track because he went everywhere God wanted him to go. He experienced everything God wanted him to experience until we get to Acts chapter 21. Again, let me tell you this. God will do something miraculous with whatever life you give him. But that's not the point, is it? Are you all with me? That's not the point. The point is one day this earth is done. One day this heart stops beating. And I must stand before my creator 
and I just want to know this when I see him. Did I make the right decisions along the way for you to get the most out of my life? And I think along this way, that like in Paul's life, go to Romans chapter 10, verse 1. In Romans chapter 10, verse 1, we find out what is near to Paul's heart. In Romans chapter 10 and verse number 1, and I'm trying to hasten, y'all doing a great job. In Romans chapter 10, verse 1, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Paul had this heart's desire. Paul had a burden for his people. Paul knew he is a Jew in the higher echelon. He knew what change God had made in his life. He knew that this God that made a change in his life could make a change in his people's life. And all of a sudden, God, Paul was like, God, I've got the same burden you have for people to be saved. And God, what better person to go to the Jews than me? Would you please go to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 4? And please don't stumble over the simplicity of God's word because God's word fits so perfectly. Did I tell you we owned a bindery? Churchbiblepublishers.com. We got a sale going on. Full price. Here we go. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 3 verse 4. Look what he says here. That I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Philippians 3, 5, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, in Hebrew of the Hebrew, as touching the law of Pharisee. If anybody was qualified to go to the Jews at Jerusalem, Paul was qualified. But please listen to this. God doesn't need your expertise in the flesh. He needs his wisdom in his divinity. Many times we look at where we fit best based on our expertise rather than where does God want me to be. God necessarily won't put you where you're an expert at. God will put you where he can get the most glory. Because God is not going to share his glory with you or I. God will put you at the place that is least likely in your life so that he can get the most glory out of who you are. But when you and I understand, the premise for tonight is this. Or is God getting the most opportunity out of your life to get the most glory? Paul was the most likely and qualified candidate. Make your way back to Acts chapter 21, if you will. Paul was the most likely and qualified candidate for the Jews. Paul was sent to hail those that, that named the name of Jesus to prison. He was the most likely and qualified candidate. However, God had a different plan for Paul and sent people to counsel him not to go to Jerusalem. Young people, please listen up. And as your pastor, I very rarely interfere in anybody's life. But God wants to interfere in your life. God wants to step in and bring Agabus and bring people into your life to let you know. Stop planning your own life. And stop looking at what you're good at and thinking that's where God wants me at. What I'm good at is not necessarily where God wants me at. What he's good at is where God wants me at. I'm going to say that again. Where I think I need to be is not what I'm good at. It's what he's good at. That's where he wants me at.
And there are a lot of people holding on to their life and they're deciding their spiritual journey and their spiritual future based on what my heart's desire is. It's spiritual. It's good. Why wouldn't God honor it? Because God does not plan his life about around what you and I think is spiritual or what you and I think is good. He plans our life around this one thing. What will get the most glory out of me in your life? And it may be a John the Baptist where you lose your head. It may be something to where you're on the, on the Isle of Patmos like John. But I'll tell you this much. At the end of your life, at the end of my life, we will stand before the Lord. And we want to hear, well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. Because at the end of the day, when somebody disagrees with your feelings, is the true test his will or mine? How many people try to get the pastor to agree with their spiritual decision when the pastor knows God can do anything great with anything you give him? But are you really going to get the most out of? In Acts chapter 21 and verse 4, this is not the first time when Paul stepped into Philip's house. This wasn't the first time he heard this. Look at Acts 21 verse 4. In finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. Even before Paul arrived at Philip's house, there were disciples that looked at Paul around a campfire, maybe, and said, hey, Paul, Paul, you don't need to go through to Jerusalem. There were already people disagreeing along the way. There are already people saying, you won't get the most out of your life going to Jerusalem, Paul. And wouldn't you know it, he then travels four verses later, which was not just four verses or four minutes or four days, but he travels a little bit further on and then look at Acts chapter 21 and verse number 8. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip. If you go all the way down, and when they were there, Agabus shows up, and we've read it before, but Agabus said, whoever owns this girdle, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man that owneth this girdle, verse 11 is where I'm at, and shall deliver him into the hands of the what, please? In the hands of the Gentiles, not as a preacher, but as a prisoner. And there is a big difference. To preach from the prison cell or to preach from the pulpit are two different venues. Please know this. Dear Christian, I'm talking to you and I. I don't know who's got decisions looming in your distance. I don't know who in this room have spiritualized these decisions. And God has sent disciples. I don't don't think you need to do that. Through the Spirit, spiritual people. Not yes men. Not all academically this would be great and career-wise this would be great and money-wise this would be great and logically this all makes sense. Who better qualified to do this? This is not how God works. When God saves you, he sanctified you for a purpose and if that purpose doesn't fit your expertise, I would follow God's purpose and not your expertise. And if nobody's getting this tonight, I'm still preaching the truth. 
because many believers have stepped from this world to the Savior only to find out they didn't fulfill their fullest potential. Look at Acts 21.13, and, and here is the sermon title. Then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to what break mine heart? My title tonight is Agabus. Why, why, you, why break ye my heart? My question for you is, do you have any Agabuses in your life that are willing to take your girdle and are willing to tell you, you could do this, but you won't be effective at doing this. And they can only try to persuade so long. I had to learn this the hard way as a pastor. I've been pastoring for 13 years, going on 14 years this coming March, here in just a couple of weeks. Probably the first six months, I felt like, man, I've got to work overtime. And if people are going to make these decisions about their life, I've, I've got to, I felt such a burden of working overtime. But Acts 21.14, I found my boundaries and my parameters. Look at this. And when he would not be what? Look, would, you, would you look at the next two saddest words that could ever be spoken by a preacher man? Could you look at the next two words that could ever be, saddest words that could ever be spoken by people who love you enough to step up in your grill and to tell you privately or publicly, this should not be. When you cannot be persuaded, what do they do? Would you read them out loud? And when we, and when he would not be persuaded, here it is, read it with me. Ready? We ceased. Saying, the will of the Lord be done. I'm not smarter than you are. I'm not better than any of you. But I pray that God would bring an Agabus into your life that would do their best to persuade you this will not make a better you at the end of the journey. But there are a lot of people, why do you want to break my heart? Why do you always disagree with everything I have to say? Why can't you? Does it sound like a teenager? You, you always throw cold water in every, every boy I bring home, every boy I drag through the door and throw down. You never agree with anybody. Why breaking my heart? Can't you see my heart is in this? And I'm not making fun or light. But I wonder how many marriages were given into by moms and dads when they tried their best to persuade and they had to back out of the picture. Tenure in marriage does not mean it's been a good marriage. Staying together and claiming 50 years doesn't mean it's been a good 50 years. Are we okay tonight? And I think that Agabus's, I think spiritual ladies, Philip's daughters, I think spiritual people like the disciples that at some point need to go, I, I, this, this doesn't set right. Something's not 
something's not right here. But how many people go, what, what mean you to break my heart? And we ceased. From that point on, look at Acts 21, 17. Let's see what happens. And when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Paul stepped over what Agabus and the virgin daughters, spiritual ladies, the evangelists, the disciples from, from previous verses. He stepped over all of it, following his heart. Look at it, verse 17. And when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Look at verse 27. I went to 17, now it's dropped to 27. And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him. Look at verse 33. Then the chief captains came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and demanded who he was and what he had done. Do you know why all this took place, ladies and gentlemen? Do you know why this stir was all there? Go to verse number 22. What is it therefore the multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. Do therefore this that we say to thee, we have four men which have vowed a vow on them. Them take and purify thyself with them, and be at char charges with them, and they, that they may shave their heads, and all may know that those things whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing, but that thou thyself also walkest orderly and keepest the what? Law. Paul went backwards. You see, his heart desire did not help him become more of a light. He went backwards. Would you please listen? All the Agabuses are trying to do in your life, and all the people who disagree with you, their silence doesn't mean they agree. It just means they're done trying to persuade. Did you hear what I just said? Do not mistake silence and laughter and joy as approval. There are some Agabuses that are smart enough to know. You're not listening to what we have to say. I'm done. God, get the most out of the life you can get. But Paul shaved his head thinking it would make a difference with the Jews. All it did was irritate the Jews. All it did was they viewed it as this. First, you're persecuting us, persecuting the Jews on our side. Then you go against us. Now you shave your head? Would the real Paul stand up? Which Paul are you? Why are you trying to rap and identify? Hey, bro. Dude. Hey, I say, what be happening? Why are you trying to fit in? But I'm going to tell you what's going to happen is that when the Agabuses can no longer be honest with you, then all of a sudden, y'all, let's just get down to, down to brass tacks here. You need somebody in your life that will be honest with you and say, that won't work. Well, can't God, don't fly in the face of God with that question as a crutch and excuse to get done what you want to get done. Yes, God can. Well, can God make a rock big enough that he can't pick up? 
That's a dumb question. God's God. And when you fly in the face of God, my friend, there ought to be fear and trembling because Agabus, the four virgins, Philip, and the men said, don't go to Jerusalem. Through the Spirit, don't go to Jerusalem. Who is Agabus? Go to Acts chapter 11. This is not the first time that Paul encountered Agabus. Go to Acts chapter 11, if you will. I did not realize what time it was, but I hope you're okay, because I'm having a good time. Look at Acts chapter 11. This was not the first time that Paul encountered Agabus. Look at Acts eleven nineteen. Now, when they were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only, and some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with the purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek who, please? Saul. Look at verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And guess who was among those prophets that came? Agabus. And Agabus was among these prophets that came, and Agabus had prophesied that there would be a dearth in the land. Guess what happened? It was true. Did y'all hear that? It was true. I find it very interesting that the Agabus that called it straight shot on that one, didn't know what he was talking about on this one. Did y'all hear that? The Agabus that said there's going to be a famine in this land, there's going to be a dearth, mark my word, and it happened. All of a sudden, didn't know what he was talking about when he said, Paul, whoever owns this girdle is going to be bound. Don't go to Jerusalem. And Paul said, why are you breaking my heart? Agabus was a prophet. Prophets are prophets because what they say comes true. Did y'all hear that? And God, I believe, gives spiritual people in your life, Agabuses, women, evangelists, disciples. (laughs) With this one story, God covered the entire gamut Disciples, women. Don't you hate it when women are right? Come on, y'all get honest on that one. Come on, you husbands. Don't you hate it when your wife says, that's not going to work. And you're like, be quiet, woman, because I can't say shut up, woman, because we're in church. Be quiet, woman. This is going to work. And then when it doesn't work, you have to go back to her and say, mm, mm, you were right. That didn't work. But he makes the right call all the time. Everybody 
has points, timelines, places to where you knew you shouldn't have done that. That was the wrong call, and it hampered you. But don't, that, don't let that be your next decision. Don't let it be the next one you make. Don't ignore the Agabuses. Don't ignore those who love you enough to step up and tell you the truth, and then all of a sudden it's like, why are you breaking my heart? I'll give you three things I think all of us need to do. Number one, surround yourself with spiritual people, not carnal. Surround yourself with spiritual people. Surround yourself with people who know God, know his word, and that they spend a lot of time in prayer. The second thing is this. Ask. Ask. What, what do you see? What do you think? Because I will tell you this, that people who are spiritual don't want to play God in your life. They just want to help you make the next decision that makes you more effective for God. It has nothing to do with somebody trying to lord in your life. And please, don't live such a spiritual rebellious life that it's like nobody's going to tell me what I can do and can't do. Y'all, if it's just me and Kelly's not involved and RG's not involved, give me the T-shirt that says drop dead. I didn't ask you. Okay? But when it's Kelly and RG... I'm tuned in because every decision I make impacts the people around me. I don't know who this is for, but can I ask you a question? Who's disagreeing with you or has disagreed with you that you said, I can't be wrong. Why are you breaking my heart? Teenager, single person still living at home, are you giving the people who love you the most the hardest time? Husband. If you dismissed your wife and put that little woman in her little box in that little corner and you've just told her to stay there and only come out to make meals, ooh, got quiet on that one. Is that how we're treating the Agabuses in our life? Do you know every once in a while your wife does have a spiritual thing to say? And usually when she says something spiritual, it's after months of watching you and I be unspiritual. Come on, women, you can say amen. I, I'll, I'll, amen. But you know what we do? Why are you breaking my heart? Why do you weep? Stop it. Stop it. I know what I'm doing. Paul gave his testimony, did some amazing things from Acts 22 to the end of the book. Amazing things. But I don't think Paul got the most out of his life. I think Paul had more journeys to do. Now let me stop and say, who am I to judge Paul when I'm sure when my story's written, somebody's going to say, Bob had more things he could have done, but he wouldn't listen to the Agabuses. He just had to have his own way. <laughs> I have no doubt about that one. But how about we make up our mind on this? God, I want you to get the most out of my life. And whatever decision I make, God, would you bring Agabuses into my life? We have a scholarship we give away for the seminary, and it's called the Purefoy Scholarship.
And it's given in lieu of in memory of a man named Danny Purefoy. And one day when I was just started pastoring, Brother Purefoy made an appointment to come in and see me. And after he chastised me about missing Memorial Day weekend, that very first Memorial Day, uh, Sunday, he looked at me and said, Brother Bob, I've known you for years. Can I, can I tell you something? And I saw a man sit across the table who at that time in my life was an Agabus. And, I, and he told me one thing. He said, you can do whatever you want to do because you're pastor. But as a man in the church, I love you enough that I'm going to tell you something after two months of watching you pastor. And he told me something that was very hard to hear. But I praise God that I listened. Here's why. If any move you and I make does not get the maximum glory for God out of our lives, we don't need to make it. And God bless the people who are not scared to step up and tell you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.